What do you do when you have a husband or a wife that doesn't believe in Christ? How do you work this marriage out? Especially when they hate God. They don't want you to go to church. They don't want you reading your Bible. And they're doing all these things to come against you. Well, I thank God for Peter for giving us the answer here. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Thanks for joining us today for our continued study of Scripture's instructions for a healthy, God-honoring marriage. Today, Raul will encourage you and your spouse to persevere in your relationship, not letting differences or disappointments overshadow the lifelong commitment that you've made to one another. Stay with us for insight and inspiration to keep working at your marriage in obedience to the Lord. The title of today's study is An Exhortation to Wives and Husbands. Here's Raul Reese. Now, there might be some of you that are here this morning that are ready to call it quits in your marriage. There may be others that are ready to call it quits, but at that same time, there are many of you that might say, You know what? I want a divorce. I'm sick and tired of the marriage. There's others of you that might already be separated or you're thinking of a separation. But what is it really, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, what is God's best for me today? And God's best is this. In the book of Malachi, in chapter 2, he says that God hates divorce. God hates divorce. It's not the unpardonable sin. But it surely does damage to so many people, like dominoes. When it hits one, it hits the rest of the family. It hits all your friends. It hits everybody that knows you. Peter here is concerned that Christian wives are to live with unsafe husbands and they're to win them to the Lord. It was a a situation where Peter had been instructing about slaves and women because there was a real issue in that Roman culture where women and slaves were looked down on. You see? Women had no rights in that culture, in the first century culture. Women were literally used not only as a wife to have children, but then the husband would have a concubine for his pleasure. And this was the culture and the mentality that Peter is writing under. And at the same time, he's talking about a marriage, especially if you're married to a non-believer and you're a believer, male or female. The husband is Christian, the wife's not, or the wife is and the husband's not. What do you do when you have a husband or a wife that doesn't believe in Christ? How do you work this marriage out? Especially when they hate God. They don't want you to go to church. They don't want you reading your Bible. They're constantly hassling you. They're nagging you to death. And they're doing all these things to come against you. Well, I thank God for Peter for giving us the answer here. For speaking to our hearts. Listen to what Peter says now in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. 
Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, as even if some do not obey the word, they without the word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outwardly arranging of hair, wearing of gold, or putting on fine dress. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. The first thing we notice here in six verses, he's speaking to women and only one verse to men. Interesting. Why? Because it's the opposite in the book of Ephesians. He talks only two verses to women and then he uses so many verses to men to share with them the responsibility. And again at the same time is the fact is that the men and women are both saved and there are no guarantees even if you're saved that your marriage will be successful. No guarantees. Why? Because marriage is something that we have to work at. Success is not automatic. And yet, when one marries a partner who is not a Christian, matters can become very difficult in the life of that person. Very, very difficult. Peter here is addressing in the section of his letter, Christian wives who had unsaved husbands, telling them how to win their mates to Jesus Christ. Then he adds some really important admonition for Christian husbands, which we'll see in verse 7. But yet, no matter what marital status may be today in your life, you can learn from Peter the essentials for a happy, successful marriage in not only in this present time, but in the time to come if you are not married. You notice that Peter uses the phrases in the same manner or in like manner. It refers back to Peter's discussion when Jesus Christ was being the example. Peter was talking in 1 Peter chapter 2, 22 to 25 concerning Jesus being submissive and obedient to the Father. That he left this example for every husband and wife, every child of God. Submission and obedience. Now why do we say that? It's because always in the marriage... People are always taking the authority and saying, you better submit. A word that is used in a marriage constantly. Do we really understand what the word submit means? It's not a word to be used lightly. It is really a military word. It's a word that speaks to be under orders. When I submit, To the general, I submit to the captain or to the lieutenant. When he says something to me, I don't say, well, maybe I might do that. No, I do it. And I do it quickly. But in the Christian walk, 
As Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 5, there at the beginning of the wives and husbands, the previously to that, he's saying that husband and wife are to submit to one another in the fear of God. And that is hupotasso in the Greek. It means to be underneath Christ. Husband and wife, both are to be in submission to Jesus Christ. And then the marriage can work. But you just can't have one and not the other. Both people have to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's really important that we understand that if we imitate the best models, we will become not only better people and better achievers, but if we imitate the wrong models in our home, to our children, to our daughters or sons, or whoever else is there, it will cripple our lives and possibility of ruining our character and their character in the home. And yet, the role models that will be followed will be those that are role modeling who? The Lord Jesus Christ, the one that has been given to us to imitate. Mommies and daddies need to listen to what God's Word says. When Christian couples try to imitate the world and get their standards from the world instead of or from the Word of God, there will be trouble in the home with the husband, the wife, and the children, and later on in life, the grandchildren. It's just a matter of time. That's why here Peter is pointing to Sarah as a model for Christian wives to follow. Even though she's back in the past, for sure, Sarah was not perfect. But she proved to be a good help me to Abraham. And she is the one in a few women that is named in the Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. She's in there in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. We must spend time with each other. Meditating in God's Word. Praying together. That's part of the marriage. The husband taking the leadership of his home with his wife. And let me say something, ladies. When your husband is the head and he's loving and he's kind and he's doing what he's supposed to be biblically, listen, you won't have any problem submitting to him. You'll do it. Because that's God's order that he's given to us. Now here in chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, we begin to see here that there's three things that Peter talks about. First of all, submission is an act of love. Write that down. An act of love. It's not something that we demand. It is not something forceful. It is something that is willing. In love, it comes through that person. When you're really loving that person. An act of love. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Our goal is to equip you with the guidance of God's Word and support you in pursuing His perfect will. Visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165. You'll also want to download our app for more Scripture-rich resources. Now back to the final part of our study today, an exhortation to wives and husbands. Look what he says in verse 1, the first part of the verse. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. You see, if both parents will imitate the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives and in their submission, 
and their obedience to God, then the direct desire of others will be to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in the home. But if they see rebellion in the mother, rebellion in the father, and you're trying to teach your children, now don't do this, but you do it, you're a hypocrite. You're destroying it. You're doing damage to your children. Because you're the enforcer, and yet you don't practice what you preach. You see, we have to be careful. That if you're a mother today, you will be one day. You'll be a wife. It is important that you submit to Jesus Christ as you submit to your husband for the best of your marriage and what God intends to do with your husband. Wives are to submit to their husbands because they are being loved. Husbands, you need to love your wife. She'll respond when you love her. When you don't love her, she will not respond. That is the command by God Himself to husbands. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. A husband is to die for his wife just like Christ died for the church. You see? And the children will see that when a husband is sensitive to his wife and to the needs of his wife. Then Peter again secondly says that submission also is an opportunity that God gives us. An opportunity. Look what he says in the second part of the verse, chapter 3, verse 1b, and then verse 2. That even as some do not obey the word without the word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied with fear. You see, an opportunity for what you say to win an unsaved husband to Christ, how do you do that? You say, well, the husband will never be saved. And I'll tell you this, the husband will never be saved by nagging or preaching but he will always come to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in due time when a wife is submitting to the Lord. But her submission and understanding and love and kindness and patience will be given to her by the Lord. By the Lord. He's your husband then, if your husband's not right now. These qualities are not to be manufactured. They are the fruit of the Spirit that comes when one is submitted to Christ and one truly has love through the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You cannot produce it. It is only produced by the Holy Spirit. Supernaturally. Not naturally. Naturally, we like to fight. We like to strive. We like to argue. We like to control. You see? But not so with God. Look at verse 3 now. Submission is an ornament too. Through verse 6. Do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging of hair, wearing of gold, putting on a fine dress. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner... In former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own hands. And Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him, Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Here Peter is warning the Christian wife not to major in the external decorations, but the internal character. And surely today we are into the what? The external Look around. 
And yet as Christians, we have to be moderate. Moderate. We don't set up rules and regulations. The Bible is very clear. Today we're living in a very sensual society where everybody's showing everything they want to show. Very hard for people today, for the Christians. And yet, how should a woman that is a Christian, is a wife, or maybe single, how should she appear before the world, Peter tells you here? That's what young men should be looking for in a woman. Not how beautiful she's outside, but how beautiful is the inside. Does she love God? And the same thing with these women looking to the guys. God wants us to follow His Word. The true beauty has to come from the heart, not from the store. Older Christian women need to be examples to the younger women as mothers. As mothers and grandmothers to their daughters. We need to have great examples, especially in the days they were living in. But then on the other side, now in verse 7, look what he says. Husbands, likewise dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Uh Uh-oh. Only one verse, but powerful verse. What is he saying? That if your relationship with your wife is not right, your prayers are not going anywhere. They're bouncing off the wall. You see, Peter here exhorts Christian husbands to give their wives two gifts of love. Number one, understand them. And two, respect them. Understand them and respect them. That's what Peter is saying. Why did Peter devote more space to instructing wives and husbands? Because the Christian wife... There at that time were experiencing a whole new situation and needed guidance because they were as dogs. They were treated badly. They were verbally, physically abused. When a man would walk down the street in Rome, his wife would not walk next to him. He walked behind like a dog. And the New Testament, because of Jesus Christ, he came to set women free from the bondage that they were under before Jesus came. Women were abused. They were used as puppets. You see? But yet we have the great examples from the Old Testament unto the New Testament. And the first thing the husband needs to do is that he needs to have that physical responsibility to dwell with them, to dwell with your wife. Husband, likewise, dwell with them. You see? God is giving you the command. This is more of a living together. In marriage. That's why Paul in Ephesians 5.31 said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mama and be joined or glued together to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You see? Two become one flesh. The husband must make time to be with his wife. Secondly, intellectual responsibility a man has. You're supposed to be with your wife dwelling according to knowledge. What does that mean? To understand her. You say, I don't understand my wife. I don't know where she's at. It's amazing that two people can live together in the same home and yet be strangers. Strangers. 
You see this more once your children grow up. And then the wife is alone at home. And now the husband's alone. And they've grown apart this way. And now the nest is empty. And a lot of husbands, they don't know how to work back that relationship. Because they've been so separate for so long. They're not sensitive that now your wife, it needs you and you need to make a partnership even greater as you get older with each other together. Otherwise, you have nothing in the home. There's a lot of lonely women today that are starving for communication. And yet, a Christian husband needs to know his wife's moods, feelings, needs, fears, hopes, He needs to sit down and listen with an open heart and an open ear. He needs to sit there and love his wife so that she feels protected and loved. And that she's not going to be left alone. You see? They want security. They want to know that you love them. And that you're there for them. And if they don't have that security, then they're unstable and they're insecure in themselves. And they'll challenge you in every area of your life. And do you give them that security through the Lord Jesus Christ? As you get close to the heart of God, you'll get close to the heart of your wife. And then thirdly and finally, emotional responsibility. Giving honor, notice, unto the wife. In verse 7 he said, Give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Peter did not suggest that the wife is the weaker vessel mentally, morally, or spiritually, but physically. There are expectations in women. But generally speaking, the man is the stronger of the two when it comes to physical accomplishments. We know that. And yet, the husband should treat his wife like an expensive, beautiful, fragile base in which there's a precious treasure inside of it. That's the way Christ treats the church. That's the way Jesus treats us. A special treasure before him because he loves us so much. We hope today's lesson has been a challenge for you to be more intentional about caring for the health of your marriage. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's message in its complete form, just call us at 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's teaching titled An Exhortation to Wives and Husbands. We'll send you an unedited version for a donation of $5 or more. As you think about how to strengthen your relationship with your spouse, we'd like to offer you this entire series on an MP3 flash drive. Rawls' comprehensive 20-part study includes a joint interview with his wife, Sharon, providing real-life glimpses into the ups and downs of a God-centered marriage. Exploring the Bible's clear instructions for both husbands and wives, you'll also gain a better understanding of God's divine purposes for this key relationship. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' 20-part marriage series, including the bonus interview. We'll send your USB drive for a gift of $30 or more. 
That's 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Don't hesitate to take advantage of all of our free Somebody Loves You resources. If you've missed a program or would like to listen to one again, use iTunes or Spotify to look through our archives and download free podcasts. You can also join Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific for Straight Talk. It's a Q&A program with biblical wisdom for daily living. To get your days off to an uplifting start, visit SomebodyLivesYou.com and subscribe to Rawls' free devotional emails. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gifts are a great encouragement to us, and we're grateful to partner with you in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us next time as we continue this marriage series with a challenge to continually guard against infidelity and honor the vows we've made to our spouse. You'll see that whenever we face temptation, we can always look to God for the strength and resolve to stay faithful. Now with the closing comment, here's Rawl. Giving honor means that the husband respects his wife's feelings, thinking, desires. It's not just you. The husband must be a thermostat in the home setting, the emotional, spiritual temperature, where the wife often is a thermometer. She sits as a thermometer letting him know what temperature it is. You see? But the husband is a thermostat. And it's really important that you understand that God is pleased with husband and wives. Especially those that are in submission to him. He'll bless you. He'll anoint you. He'll use you. And guess what, man? Your prayers will be answered. They'll be answered when you pray. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.